Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Fart Fetish Podcast. If you haven't heard or seen, the podcast is on almost all major streaming platforms now, except Pandora. Pandora seems to be taking a while to approve this podcast, so send your displeasure to SiriusXM. We do have a uh, a proctophilia group on FetLife, which if you'd like to join that, I could put the link in the description of the podcast. We also have a Discord, which I haven't done anything with yet. It's only me in there, but I'd love to hear feedback on if people would like to be in a Discord group that's about discussion. It's really about discussion. If you want to join a Discord for pornography content, you can go join my Closet Fetishist, the Fart Closet Discord, because that's what that's for. But I wanted this Discord to be a place to continue the conversation, a a forum for talking seriously about this fetish, maybe strategies to go further, increase perception, whatever, whatever we can do, I think is important. If you wanna if you wanna let me know on the Discord, reach out to me. There's also I, I didn't write this down for some reason, but aproctophilia.org also is available. Is it exists as an informational website. It's not like super up to date. It has a few anecdotes about people who have either written about farts in history, you know, Stephen King relaying an experience from his youth, Benjamin Franklin writing about farts to the Naval Academy, James Joyce's letters, things like this. Historical figures. And from my interview with Xander, I realized that, yeah, I believe there are fart references in Shakespeare. It um, They're not as clear-cut, you know, very Shakespearean, but that is that seems to be the understanding is these phrases or 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 sentences um do relate to the the passing of gas usually in a in a I don't know if esoteric is the right way, but just like a way that doesn't really make sense to the common, you know, American English speaker. Probably not even the British English speaker, but I don't want to speak for anyone necessarily. We all know Shakespeare is hard to understand sometimes. One thing I wanted to clarify from episode two, which has not, it hasn't like kept me up at night, but I was thinking about how I was talking about fresh fetish and it was just an offhanded comment. I recall calling it disgusting. And I want to clarify that the only reason I said that it was a little knee jerk because it was describing a, a, a little bit visually, a actual, you know, crushing of, of, um, creatures. So it really kind of, it really just, it, it triggered me a little bit in the, uh, in the visual I was, I was getting as I was talking about it and the cruelty. So that was really the only reason, um, I said disgusting towards crush fetish. You know, I don't want to kink shame anyone for their, consensual, non-abusive enjoyment of any fetish, you know? Just the cruelty aspect of crush fetish is a little is a little bit much. Have I killed a bug in my life? Of course. Of course I have. But I didn't fantasize about crushing that bug. Maybe it's a question we all need to step back and ask about all our fetishes. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it doesn't matter. But crush fetish, you're deliberately harming a living creature of some type. Something to think about. But 
no 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 hate no kink shame no anything doing a crush fetish in a fantasy a video uh, an animation have at it but the the cruelty aspect uh of to a living creature is is what kind of uh set me off there i feel like i was gonna say something on the xander episode about being taken advantage of but i got off on a tangent and never got to it so i feel like i was taken advantage of by a findom but it was my it was my own fault that i'm not saying that's the case for everyone out there but my vulnerability my loneliness allowed me to get victimized by someone who whose intentions was to get money out of me maybe they were real maybe they weren't you know maybe we could have met up but we never did and i didn't know them so it would definitely be a security risk to go meet up a random person the situation was she wanted me to give money to buy kink toys for that we used together. She didn't even really, here's the stupid thing. Like I would tell her about my fetish and talk to her in the fetish terms, but she would not really respond in kind. Like she knew what I was talking about or even really cared. Like this is the kind of vulnerability that sometimes when you're, not well socially connected when you can't you know go to a bar and just start chatting up a chick that sits down next to you if she even sits down next to you you feel rejected because you sit down at an empty bar and the you know the or or a crowded bar and there's only one chair next to you and nobody sits down you feel oh i'm i'm not worthy of being sat next to but the point is i allowed myself to get victimized and she wanted to buy toys with my money to for us to use with, you know, toys I wouldn't even need. I'm a fart fetishist. What the fuck do I need, you know, dildos and other stuff for? You know, maybe some chains and stuff, maybe some bondage gear, but I don't need any of that stuff, especially if it's my money going towards it. But the point was, I felt I, I had to Western Union, you know, something I never do, but I Western Unioned this person, this, you know, presumably female person. And it's ridiculous. And then she sent me pictures of the toys. And in one of the pictures, there was a male's foot. Like, you know, uh, like when you take a picture of the ground and your foot's in the picture. So was it a male just tricking me? She said it was the mailman. Why would a mailman come in and help you unpack your cake toys? What the fuck does that even mean? But the point was, I was stupid. I was ignorant, if you don't like the word stupid. I know some people think it's very harsh, but I think it's the most accurate term. I was acting stupid. I didn't know better. I should have known better, and I did know better, actually. But being so lonely and being disconnected and having this fetish, which makes you feel more weird, less like people, less similar, less familiar, you get taken advantage of by people who the red flags were all over. And I didn't listen. I went against my better judgment, my rational mind to give this woman, I, I forget how much money. I, I don't know if it was like 1700 or something. I don't know. It was, it was high, but not like insane. It wasn't like a life ruining amount of money. The fact that you can get victimized in such a way and, and ignore your better judgment to... I don't know, not get victimized, not to be so vulnerable. Like vulnerability, I think is good. You, see, you need to see humanity. 
You need to be honest with people. There's no point in putting on a front unless that's the real you you want to put out all the time. What's the point of lying? Maybe you get to fuck someone you wouldn't get to fuck otherwise, but not important to me. Humanity is important to me. The real you behind the mask is important to me, but that's kind of a tangent. One other thing I did, this is before I was embracing the fetish as much, way back in the day, is I'd met someone on Craigslist to have a sexual interaction. And all that, it was all fine, but admittedly, super high-risk behavior. You know, meeting up with a stranger from Craigslist, going in their garage, but it was, no, you know, it was a legitimate thing. Nobody was, you know, the guy wasn't a... Uh, a creeper or a, or, or a weirdo or he didn't want anything other than to to suck my dick which is super weird that I did that because I'm not I'm not gay I really don't even enjoy having my dick sucked and yet I'm connecting with another man on Craigslist to have him go suck my dick it sounds like a joke I mean it sounds like it should be a joke but this just goes to show What can happen when you're vulnerable, when you're not at your peak of confidence and when you just feel lesser, when you don't feel worthy of what everyone else has. And I think you are, and I think I am, but we have to, it's a work in progress. We have to continue to be the best version of ourselves, be the strongest persons of ourselves that we can be at that point in our life. So I got lucky with these two aspects of of my own victimization and they suck well the you know the craigslist thing that just that was my own but the findome the being taken advantage of that sucked but it's not her fault or his fault or whoever whoever that entity on the other end of that phone was it's not their fault because i victimized myself i went to western union to give that money i let myself be so vulnerable, so needy, that I was willing to put myself in danger. That's something to seriously think about. Because imagine all those guys on FetLife right now that are saying like, hey, I need a, I need a woman to sit on my face and relentlessly uh, gas me out and whatever. What if they go? What if they go meet a stranger in a hotel room? or at a house worse, and they get tied up or handcuffed and they have a little fart fun, maybe. Or what if the person just takes their wallet and leaves them there? I know that's a movie plot, but you shouldn't be meeting people on the internet, especially random people, especially when you're going to put yourself in a compromising position when you get there. Even if they don't, tie you up. You're basically giving over control to someone else. You should ensure that that's done in a safe manner anytime. But it's hard. It's hard because because I know it's hard. I bought tickets to a, a local, you know, kink um, party that's femdom focused. And I've been before. I've been before in, you know, back in the day before I went to Boston. And I bought a ticket and it's not expensive, like 15 bucks or whatever. And I just didn't go. I didn't feel like I belonged. This fetish, you know, and knowing 
perceptions I've gotten in the past about it. It makes me not want to go forward and put myself in that place where essentially it's like a high school party and I'm the uncool one. I've always been the uncool one, but that's besides the point. Like going to a high school party and just sitting on the couch alone and no one comes up and talks to you and no one cares that you're there and you're just there because you're part of the high school or whatever. You're there because your friend invited you and then left. And that's that's on me, of course. It's my fault that I feel lesser. It's my own brain damage that I feel like I'm not worthy of these people. Like I don't belong there. And it makes me feel frustrated and depressed because these are kink people. You know, these are femdoms. These should be my people. But really, really they're not. It's really hard being a fetishist of this type. And I'm sure it's true for scat fetishists, people who like golden showers, anything that's sexual or an exchange of bodily fluid or any of that. Admittedly, you could argue farts are too. But what am I supposed to do? Like, this is me. I don't have other interests. I don't like rope and impact play and the violet wand and what do you call it nipple pinching with uh c47s what do they call them in in normal terms clothespins none of that stuff interests me yeah i might like getting bondage but that's only if there's farts coming or that kind of treatment like it the bondage means nothing to me and that's i guess my own unfortunate reality because Nobody else has to be into what I, I'm into. I'm not into what other people are into. That's why I think we need to figure out a way to gather our group in a somewhat separate way. You know, maybe a, a face-sitting, farting, and, and other party or something at a, at a local dungeon or something like that. I don't know. Can we organize such a thing? I don't even know if that goes against the rules of mouth to genital or genital to genital contact being banned. Sometimes those are okay at members only parties. You know, being an introvert is hard anyways, but I find it gets easier when you're around like-minded people. When I'm around film people, I actually don't feel as alone. I feel like I can engage them because we're all much more closely into the same thing in that way. You know, we all mostly watch movies or TV. We have opinions on, on movies and TV. But I just feel sad that I'm isolated amongst kinky people. And I feel like I don't belong there. When I do, I do belong there. I'm kinky too. I have a very narrow interest, but I'm one of you. But when there's not more of me, that is to say fart fetishists or people who want to talk about face sitting or something, you feel alone and you feel like you don't belong. You know, as I said, that's my own mental hang up there. I'm not blaming anyone. Maybe I'm blaming other fetishists for not being more out in the community, but can you blame them? Not really. It's hard. It's painful. It's lonely. 
There's not a ton of outward support. It's like a social gathering, any social gathering. People are there to have fun. They're doing their own thing. You can't blame them for that. They're not there to nurse your ego when you're standing alone in the, you know, cafeteria room just eating snacks because no one wants to talk to you. And you don't have the courage to walk up and talk to them or walk up to a group and listen in until you have the the in to say something. I look at myself very poorly. I don't know why. Lack of confidence, I guess. I look at myself or I look at other people and I feel like if I approach them, I'll see their expression turn to, oh, this guy, he's walking towards me, you know? Why is this guy doing that? Like, shouldn't he know he's a piece of shit and has no business being anywhere near me? That's how I feel about myself. It's not their fault. I know I'm projecting that feeling. It doesn't make it any easier. It's likely partly shame. I still feel shame for my interests. You know, obviously I'm more comfortable with it now, talking in this podcast format. But in the world, out in the wild, these interests aren't widely accepted as other activities that are going on in the dungeon. I think it'd be like going to a a film networking, but no one there enjoys any of the films that you like and the ones you've seen and the ones you know how to talk about. So you're just isolated again. That's how it feels like with with a fart fetish in a way. You feel like despite you having similarities, you're just not the same at all. You're not similar at all. I think society's solution would be get more interests so you can relate to more people. I think with your sexual interests, though, that might be harder than, you know, something like taking up golf to find friends. But it's, it's good. If you have interests for other things, embrace them. Go out and get other things filled. Fill other cups. If you can't fill your fart cup, which sounds ridiculous, fill other cups you have. Why not? I wish there was a better way for our our segment to get together and connect. You know, as I said, maybe an event, something for face sitters and farters and, you know, probably golden showers people and scat people maybe too. We're all in the same zone, as it were. Maybe that's only going to be appropriate for things like the metaverse, where anonymity and digital distance remains in like performing these intimate and, and sometimes dangerous interests. Like Ezra mentioned on his podcast, uh, face sitting has aspects of breath play. Definitely something to think about. And, and I'm open to advice, commentary, anything you want to say. If you want to come on the show and talk, you know, we can do that as well. Anonymously, if you'd like to, I can, I can manage. But I think we need to build up our fortress, the fart fortress, as it were to start expanding our land. You know, I think Fart Fetish owns its territory, its island on the internet. I don't feel like there's a lack of fetish content. You know, stories, videos, animations, a lot of people working in this space, or, you know, a relative amount compared to probably the total numbers of people who have a Fart Fetish. But I think we need more in the real world. We need to expand, right? Or am I wrong? 
when I think about it, it feels stupid. But why do other get kinks get to openly talk and openly have conversations and go to parties and have a public image? And why can't we? I think we can. That's my hope for this, is that we can actually have a presence or a knowledge, a cursory knowledge out in the world, at least in the kink community. We need to bring out more fetishists. Bring them together, at least, at the very least. Bring us together and talk and seriously figure things out. What things? I don't know, man. I don't know. There was a FetLife post uh, that I quoted here in my notes. Starting to think there's absolutely zero women into this fetish apart from sellers. Now that's probably true to a degree. But I ask what, what else can be expected? We, we live in a world where money is a significant hurdle. So monetizing whatever benefit you have is going to become more prominent in everything, not less. You know, the fact that people get anything for free these days, content-wise, I'm thinking, is astounding. Why? Why give anything away for free when, one, people will pay for it, and two, you probably need the money? And if you don't need the money, congrats to you. God damn. But that's not true of most of us. So if a girl or a guy or whoever is naturally flatulent, it's a seller's market because the demand relative to the fetish is unquenchable. You cannot quench the demand in this fetish, partly because people get bored really quickly. At least I do. Maybe that's only speaking for myself. But sometimes watching a video or an animation one time, you're sick of it the next time. That's not true. Not, not one time. But, you know, you watch it for maybe a month. And then you never want to watch it again. It doesn't hit you the same way. It's boring. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to masturbate to this because this doesn't, I've seen this already. I need something new, something exciting, something I can't predict perhaps. But of course people are going to monetize their farting because you want it because you can't get it otherwise. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's capitalism. That's the system we live under. So that's why it happens. If you have a problem with that, then go talk to your senators about capitalism. Maybe communism's right for you. No, I'm kidding. But there's little substitute in meeting people in person. You know, discussing these things tactfully, strategically, but ultimately openly. The two girlfriends I've had in my life, I haven't dated much, and the only two people I really actually dated for any significant part of time were both my girlfriend, you know, I didn't, I have, I don't date outside of girlfriending, I guess, you know, I, I make connections pretty quickly. So you almost don't even, there's no like, are we going steady? Like there's no, that conversation never happens. Pretty much. We're just like hanging out at each other's houses and watching family guy and American dad together. We need to improve perception and raise awareness. That's what I think the best thing we can do to find people who maybe don't want to monetize this as a business. But I'll tell you, I think that's going to be pretty hard to find because, again, this is the system we live under. But I think meeting people in person is the best way to actually find someone who's not going to uh, bleed your wallet, in other words. 
Some people, anecdotally, I heard when I went to a party recently, I talked to a, uh, a man there, a male, and he'd said, when I mentioned the fart fetish, he'd said it was heavily associated in his mind with scat fetish because some guys use the fart play as like a foot in the door to escalate to scat play. And, you know, that's a little bit of an abusive behavior. That's not like you should be up front about what you want. When you can't talk about it or you're being coy about it, people already might think you're hiding something. And you are because you don't want to tell them you have a fart fetish. So you just tell them you like face sitting. It's not going to it's not going to improve your perception. They're not going to be like, oh, you like face sitting. Well, bring your face right here. It's not going to happen. Maybe if you write it in a story, but it's not going to happen. So perception needs to be improved towards fart fetish. And I think this is a start. We need more fart fetishists to come out and speak and say, hey, I'm normal. I like this weird thing. Okay. But other than that, and even not other than that, like, fuck you. Like, I like this thing. You can accept it and accept me or fuck off. Because what other choices do you have? You going to dwell on the fact that this person doesn't like you? There's millions, billions of people. They're not all going to like you. It's hard to accept. I, I definitely had a hard time accepting it. You know, working in film, you're like, I don't want to ruin my reputation with anyone. So I'm going to be so sterile. And the truth is, when you do that, you're invisible. Because you didn't take any risks. You didn't try. You got to try. But you got to be clever about it. Think about your fetish from someone else's perspective. How would you see someone coming up to you to talk about this fetish in a, in, a, in a dungeon? What's the best way to talk to them about it? What's the best way to open the door to this conversation without seeming like you're hiding something or ashamed of something? I don't have the answer. Maybe you do. Let me know. I'd definitely love to hear it. I'm sure we all would because I think that's one of the biggest problems. How do you come out to someone and say, hey, I like you, but I'm not like a normal guy where it's like, let's get on the bed and fuck. Maybe I like fucking as personally I don't, but I still like you. I want to build a relationship with you. I have this fart fetish. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling a little bit. Somebody asked me about correlations in people who aren't fart fetishists. And I haven't really like seen any solid correlations that I can empirically say this is a correlation. But I do think uh, this fetish does, in terms of like trends maybe, uh, this fetish tends to trend younger as a sort of uh, immature, semi-sexual fetish. I think uh, our interview with Damien kind of alluded to that. Not to say he's immature, but he was talking about recapturing an element of youth in in turning his his enjoyment of farts at an early age into a fetish so he could maintain a connection or relive an aspect of childhood he felt he miss out, missed out on. I also guess that a fair number of fetishists grow out of it, given the number of artists and writers who made things and then their work disappeared because they deleted it or maybe they grew tired or embarrassed of it and they cast it aside. And maybe they embraced a more socially normal sex life. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they're just hiding. Maybe they're hiding from themselves. I don't know. 
Never, I never talked to one of them. If any of those people are listening now, please reach out to me. We can also talk anonymously, but I'd love to hear what caused people to leave the fetish. Was it being bothered by people asking for commissions or requests? That can be annoying for sure. Or was there something else going on? You're running away from something you liked, or maybe you just didn't, don't like it anymore. That happens. I'm sure that happens. Maybe you're, it was a, it was a, a, a tertiary, tertiary interest and you don't anymore. I can see that happening as well. Generally, the correlation is male, but I don't think that's exclusive. I'd be interested to know how many of the women making porn are actually interested in it or just doing it for the financial opportunity. And again, I'm not saying it's a huge financial opportunity. As a creator, I, I haven't made bukuda bucks and and now I'm living large with my cat trees, you know? But it is definitely a business venture. It's If you can offer it as part of your repertoire, that's just more money you can make. Why not? If you can do it, if you want to do it, why not do it? And that's what they do. But I'm interested if any of them are actually interested in farting. Maybe channels that actually do farts almost exclusively. Maybe they're into farting. I'm not sure. Never talked to any creator in that deep sense. My experiences I'll talk about briefly. Prodom is where I got my first experience. And as I'd said in my interview with Rob on the Rocket Review, I did a walk-in the first time. And that's that's dumb. You know, you can get some okay face-sitting, you know. Face-sitting's not hard. But farting is something that requires a little more bodily preparation. But my pro-dom experiences were, were good after that. When I actually made an appointment, had someone, you know, prepare. But disappointing in the sense that they weren't fully up to my expectations. This last time I went, I went to a pro-dom I like. I like her and I like her work, but she has interests of her own. You know, she was clad in all like latex or leather, which that's hot, but she also had like uh, horns of a, a Maleficent, you know, and she was, you know, going off this kind of fantasy scenario where she's the wicked witch of wicked farts. And yeah, but it's not grounded. That was my problem. I think I like really grounded experiences. And she gave a more fantasy experience. And that was when I realized I probably shouldn't go to a pro-dom anymore. Just because I don't think I could dictate a scene to the specificity that I want and have them do it. Maybe I can. I mean, I am paying, as I said. But I don't know. I'm not the director, you know? When I was making videos with my, with my ex... I was the director. I wrote it, too. I did everything. She just was the performer. And obviously that's fucking 80% of the work. But I had to conceptualize it, write it. She mostly came up with her own dialogue. I didn't write dialogue for her. But, you know, I came up with the scenarios. So I know pretty specifically what I want and how it is enjoyed for me. But it's harder when you don't have control in that way of the other party, which is the case with a pro-dom, I think. 
you know, if you've had a ProDom experience that was more customized to you, let me know. I've gone to this this particular DOM, uh, I think, four times now, I want to say, maybe three. And she's great. But the experience, the scenario, still, despite me telling her I wanted it to be cruel and dominating, it still didn't quite surpass that level of feeling facetious and playful. That's not enjoyable for me. I'm not going to get off on a playful farting experience or a farting experience that's that's too silly to be believed. Interesting thought came from a friend of mine, non-fetishist, is the idea of porn as a substitution for success in the in the mental you know, in the mental space. I mean, I believe it's true that there's a dopamine fulfillment in watching porn and masturbating. But does that give a person the real feeling of success? This is how my friend described the idea. I'm a five to six in the sexual marketplace. I talk well, so I can make a connection moving me up to about a seven or eight. But it still requires a significant amount of effort to get laid. In porn, I'm a super hot guy. I get to be the dick and having sex with these hot porn stars. And with the porn, you can fulfill your wildest fantasies without having to be around the opposite sex. This kind of thinking got me wondering about those on the submissive scale watching porn. Because I'm not sure if there is a sense of success for someone uh, embodying the submissive side. If you're uh, penchant is for being dominated by women on the screen. Is that going to make you feel successful when you come? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that's how, I don't think you get dominated, come and then feel like success. It, it doesn't quite make sense. If the camera just shows the perspective of a dick and a woman it's going into. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that leading to you getting the fantasy of you being successful, but I don't think that works in a submissive setting. Not in my mind, anyway. Feeling like you had sex might feel like a success for vanilla porn, but feeling submissive and small and abused doesn't really have a real-world equivalent. You know, we don't live in a female-dominated world, so I don't know. Can you psychologically feel successful masturbating to a domination video maybe if it's point of view i don't think so though i don't think success is the same feeling that submissives are seeking in masturbation to porn i don't know let me know your thoughts you could argue it's the merely the feeling itself the sexual excitement that encourages interaction but the if Perhaps the success, as it were, is a analogy for the feeling of sexual excitement. Because the sexual urge is perhaps what encourages interaction. It encourages the man or woman to go forward and seek a partner in which to have this interaction, this sexual intercourse with. So if you placate that, with porn, the need to interact diminishes. So perhaps that, in that meaning of success, there is an analogy towards porn as being a substitution for sex, even in the submissive context.
But that's going to do it for this episode. I know I just talked a lot. I had a lot of notes I wanted to get through for this one. Maybe the next one we'll do coverage of some of these other podcasts that have talked to fart fetishists or talked to um, other people around the fetish. I know that episode that Damien mentioned, Stephanie Motto, the fart in jars person uh, on the Howie Mandel podcast. So I'm going to check that out. That's on my list. And I got a bunch of others on the list, but I wanted to get through these notes. So I'm glad, I'm happy you stuck with me if you did. And we will see you on the very next Fart Fetish Podcast. Take care, everybody. Thank you.